1: Sean I'm starting off the week 10 preview with a couple of questions coming straight and off the bat did we share enough CD lamp propaganda pre-week 10 was there enough that we you know continued to hype it out when we were told we were too high on him we'll talk about that on today's show was there enough talk about Trey McBride we'll talk about that potentially on today's show and then Keaton Mitchell Sean you were hyping it up you were you were staying nice and calm but that came through as well but lots of stuff to talk about on this recap because i felt and i mentioned this before we started recording we obviously get the early slate of games the 1 p.m eastern kickoffs and then you get the the follow-ups then in the kind of um 4 p.m range so i'm watching them over here in ireland the 4 p.m games tend to to run until almost 1 a.m they're starting here at 9 p.m shortly after that and um we get into situations sean sometimes where there's maybe three games in that second window and it might not be the entertainment that you want to just like stay up you might want to to catch some shut-eye at that particular point but this may have been one of my favorite lit slits of games some of that is because of the the games that were super competitive some of that is because of some of the players that we talk about cd lamb in one of them were absolutely crushing set in nfl history with his performance and then we get like trey mcbride and just so much stuff happening around those games so very very fun day in general as we go through the sunday games but yeah looking through. I'm excited for this one I'm, I'm pretty stoked I felt like it was a kind of split though when it got to the end of that first slit, I thought my teams are not looking too good here even as that second slit goes on and we get hoping that Jared Goff in a lot of our leagues is going to be crushing it along with Amon Ra and you're like mm, this is going pretty slow I I thought the final nail Sean in this week was David Montgomery breaks off that 75 yard touchdown run I thought yeah, this, the fantasy gods are not having it for us this week. But that was only the beginning. So how are you feeling now? As we wait on Monday Night Football, we obviously get the Broncos and the Bills. But Week 10 is almost in the books, and this turned out to be pretty damn spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> Colin fired up, dropping Fired some, uh... up. Sean, what we're going to have to do on this episode is, you know, last week we talked about the Monday night football debacle and, you know, I, we were kind of doing a therapeutic session to to let Sean get the the feelings out about the, the New York Jets. But I think you might need to take, take me down on this episode because, uh, yeah, pretty fired up here.
2: Well, every once in a while we have to uh, do a little editing for Ben on Stealing Bananas. And not because Ben ever does anything inappropriate, but we... Do jokingly keep the road of his radio shows, you know, very clean. Colin, we've never had to edit you before, but you it seems like you might be on the verge of saying some things that that you have to to bleep out later. No, it was a very exciting second wave of games, as you mentioned. We get thirty nine points from Ceedee Lamb. We get thirty points from Amon Ross St. Brown. We get twenty four and a half from Jared Goff. Colin, we got. 27 from Joshua Dobbs and 25 from Trey McBride on the bench and some listeners are gonna be like well you you should have played Trey McBride which definitely is the case we're hoping that we get a balancing amount of points from Javante Williams tonight in the flex spot on Monday Night Football we did a lot of sort of evaluation of this team explaining how we built it the way that we did how we had kind of worked through some of the hurdles in season to try and build out a potential one million dollar roster i love the way it's looking we'll get to maybe the one huge disappointment here in a minute we talk about 49ers jaguars but this weekend was a lot of fun from that perspective come the big thing here is just it's nice when guys score it's nice when we get these big games now Dallas Cowboys New York Giants was pretty one-sided one of the unfortunate repercussions of QB injuries beyond simply the damage to the player's career the damage to the team's chances in that given season but it does create some pretty bad overall matchups both for fantasy and for viewers just of football in general this was one of a couple of games Ben and I sort of lampooned the Atlanta Falcons last night they failed with two different quarterbacks to throw for 100 yards in that one Tommy DeVito fails to throw for 100 yards in this game even though he does attempt 27 passes Uh, by virtue of scoring at the buzzer he does actually get a second touchdown pass in there and you know he has some athleticism he rushes for 41 yards you can understand why he would be the third or fourth string quarterback on an NFL roster, you can understand especially why he might belong on a practice squad somewhere. It was tough to actually watch him play in this NFL game, especially opposite a defense like the Dallas Cowboys. And on the other side, I mean Dak Prescott is an above-average quarterback, we would argue not a star. And yet you've got to give him credit. You've got to get Mike McCarthy credit. The Cowboys have lost three games, and there's still a lot of people out there who don't believe that they should have and or if they're going to get where they need to be, you've got to stop losing some of those games. Of course, in many ways, that's the case for all NFL teams right now. We had the Baltimore Ravens loss yesterday. We had the 49ers coming off three straight losses, and yet they absolutely annihilate the Jacksonville Jaguars. You have the Jaguars coming off all of those wins, <laughs> and they are completely non-competitive in their game. You have the Buffalo Bills who have lost a ton of games. You have the Dolphins with three losses. You have the Chiefs having dropped a game to the Broncos. It's tough to go out there and cleanly take care of business in the 2023 NFL season. And yet, one of the things that you do want to see, and it's such a contrast from teams who are trying to win in one-score games, that type of play, very frustrating, I think, for fans and fantasy managers alike, but the Dallas Cowboys, and in some parts because they have played teams that are awful. <laughs> they have a couple of huge wins over the Giants. But in those games,
1: you 89 want to see to a performance. 89-17, Sean. 89-17 in those two games. <laughs>
2: That's pretty one-sided. And That's if they had one-sided. played the fourth quarter, it could have been much, much worse. Because Dak Prescott goes over 400 yards and scores five combined touchdowns, as you mentioned, called in three quarters. Now, again, you're playing... Almost a minor league team here. And so there is some adjustment for the quality of the opponent. And yet, what McCarthy is doing, what Prescott is doing, and certainly what CD Lamb is doing, I mean, it's hard to even put these performances in perspective. Colin, tell the listeners some of the records or some of the thresholds that CD Lamb
1: has hit recently that no one else has gotten to. He's hitting pretty much all off the record, Sean. But just on the the record in terms of the season for the Cowboys, I know I was a little bit harsher on them probably after the opening portion of the season because it was basically blowouts and one loss. So they they blow out the Giants, as we mentioned there. They blow out the Jets. They lose to the Cardinals. I think that's the one match where I really question their credentials. Then they beat the Patriots very convincingly, and then they lose to the 49ers. So at that point, it feels like they're beating the bad teams they're losing to the good teams and then they also lost to the cardinals which until this week was their only loss in the season but they have beat the chargers beat the rams lost to the eagles beat the giants they have the panthers the commanders the seahawks and then they're back to the eagles again i can see them winning probably three to four of those and I, i use the phrase back at the eagles but they're technically in that game at home so they are set up pretty nice here as they move forward they're having these contests where they're not having to go 100% all out. Now, they did go all out in this game up until they got CeeDee Lamb the record. He is now the first player in NFL history, Sean, three straight games with 150 or more yards and also with 10-plus catches. So he finishes the day here with 11 receptions on 14 targets, 151 and a touchdown. A big day as well for Branton Cooks, 173 on nine receptions. Very efficient day, though, from for those two receivers because 10 targets nine receptions 173 and one and obviously very comprehensive going to cd lamb it got to a point sean in this game where the confidence between him and cd lamb was so high he's gonna under a bit of pressure starts to move out to his right hand side and it's almost like you know the the joke would tend to be by quarterback you know talking to quarterbacks oh screw it cd lamb's down there somewhere but that was kind of what this play was and he comes back, catches the ball for another completion. So Lamb dominating. And I, I also, you know, we like to be transparent, Sean, when we talk about players after that kind of stretch where I was talking about the the Cowboys and you know winning some games against easier opponents. I did say that Dak Prescott on some of the rosters that we would have reviewed and some of my rosters that Dak Prescott was a player I would have been trying to sell or move if possible. I failed in my attempts to sell him but since that has happened over the last four weeks he's been qb1 qb3 qb2 and he's currently qb1 again on the week so anyone that didn't sell him that's working out if you did sell him obviously that that's not working out as well as should be but maybe the pieces you got are going to work in the future the one downside i guess for the Cowboys, sean is pollard again failed to score double digit ppr points and that was the fifth time in the last six games he also had no targets in this game so concerning for the way his season has played out 55 yards on the day rico Dowdle had 12 carries for 79 yards on a touchdown and this one dak rushed for a touchdown cd lamb rushed for a touchdown and the other part of lamb we talked about getting him a minimum of 10 targets every single game they have done that over the stretch the other part is they're getting him in positions where he can have success in different ways and treating him like the true wide receiver one that he is and he had one rush in this game but it was a 14 yard end around that he took for a touchdown so very positive to see them using him in a, in a multitude of ways. Anything else, Sean, in this contest that, that stood out for you? Well, uh, you mentioned Pollard and the inefficiency
2: as he's running the ball, obviously hurting him. This is one of those games we talk a little bit about sometimes having the running back score down there in the green zone and how that can take away the potential weekly ceiling or the ceiling for that week for the QB. In this case, you lose all of those touchdowns to the QB. But to have three rushing touchdowns and to have them go to other guys is just so frustrating. Now, he would have carried more. Donald would have carried less if the game had been closer. And yet this is just one more devastating week in a string of disappointing fantasy performances for Pollard. Pollard was not exactly on our do not draft list or must avoid, but certainly not a target where he was going and yet i'm blown away i could never by, have seen this happening no
1: no so, it like a, a player that we have loved and he was obviously in the secondary position behind ezekiel elliott for a long time and kind of similar like i talked last week with Jalen warren and Najee harris we felt that he was the guy that should be getting the work but now he is getting the work and the offense is getting the points and he's just obviously there's game script there's those games that are blowouts that maybe they don't push him as much as they maybe would another closer contest but it was the price element, not the talent element that I didn't want to target him this year. If he had been going in the eighth round or the sixth round, I think we'd have been comfortably targeting him, but just the price was too expensive. Well, even
2: one round later, where you have some other disappointing guys, or at least disappointing for me, in terms of like a Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, you'd be all over him there. Mm. There really is a tear break in the range that he was going versus you know, that that first third of round two versus the middle of round three. For me, would have been pretty significant. And yet, I mean, if you drafted him in round three, round four, round five this season, he would still be a huge bust for you. And that part absolutely shocks me. Other interesting thing here, I mean, this is the kind of breakout game for Brandon Cooks. He had only one performance coming in where he had more than four targets. So to get up to 10, he didn't have a game with 50 yards, right? So you go for 173, you get all of those targets, you score the touchdown. That gives them potentially another weapon. They did have a very nice catch from Michael Gallup. Again, when you're playing a team that is completely and totally overmatched and everything is going right, you're going to have some of these plays. But I do think that as they look for other pieces in the passing offense, you and I were playing against Jake Ferguson this week. We were hoping that he wouldn't absolutely go off. He has another fine game for a tight end with 426 and 1. He has the seven targets, but you know, arguably held in check a little bit. But this Cowboys team now, especially playing off of C.D. Lamb, they have the variety of weapons. Things are really coming together, obviously, for Prescott. They look like an absolute juggernaut. It's almost a thing where you would desperately be wanting to buy Tony Pollard because the context is so good and because he is such an elite talent. And yet, similar to the situation with the Patriots, and over the last two weeks, Ramondre Stevenson has looked much more like himself. And I did encourage people to buy two weeks ago. You know, there's a fluky, lucky element to that kind of looking right so far. We'll see if it develops because obviously the overall offensive context for the Patriots is still terrible. (laughs) But, I mean, with Pollard and with Stevenson, it's not just that the scoring hasn't been there, but they definitely don't look like themselves. And so if there's an element with an injury that doesn't keep you out of games, but does lower the dynamism column one of the things that we talk about constantly and it's kind of a, a sad development because alexander madison does suffer a concussion and that's certainly not the way you want a player to go out but and you know we are rooting for him hope that he recovers very quickly for that hope that there are any consequences or you know much in the way of symptoms this week but you think in terms of an example of a player where if you don't have nfl athleticism then you simply cannot accomplish what your team needs he's a good example of that at running back obviously we have some other examples but guys who do have that athleticism if they are 85 percent and can play but they've lost that very top end capability then they're not the same guy they won't do the same things for you and i mean their team is in all likelihood still going to run them out there NFL players do have to play with Knicks and with things that you know keep them from being at their very top end ability but you know it's not just a matter of getting the touches you have to have the ability to make splash plays and right now we're not
0: getting that from Tony Pollard we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed
1: One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending live events, the atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though, of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats. And that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets on their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and you Use the code rotoviz for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code rotoviz for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed sean you mentioned the concussion there to alexander madison he does go down obviously in the the vikings versus saints the vikings coming out 27 to 19 winners and this one our decision point for some of our teams this week was Dobbs versus Goff we went with Goff in our main event but Dobbs part of the reason for my kind of feelings as the first slate went on had a very productive fantasy day looked very good in leading the team to victory a lot of that done on the back of TJ Hawkinson who had a had a massive 15 targets in this particular contest 11 receptions one three four and one Jordan Addison seven targets was the next leading target maker he had four receptions for 69 yards hawkinson sean I, I i i'm really glad that we can be so positive now about this with hawkinson being on the the vikings laporta being on the lions the lions tearing things up looking so good you mentioned on steaming bananas that they possibly in there for super bowl contendership this year so at least now it's working out for both sides we can you know we can talk about it but hawkinson that trade amazing value for the vikings from they did it, the Dobbs move looking to be great and not only is it a situation where it might be that they have got somebody to to keep this team ticking over this season where they're now six and four we had fears a couple of weeks ago when Justin Jefferson went on injured reserve that it might be a case that they would fall apart for the entire season that was before Kirk Cousins even got injured but they are still alive very much so in this playoff hunt but Dobbs may have got himself set up here Sean for starting quarterback for the Vikings in 2024 as well obviously we'll see what they do in the draft and so on but he certainly has got to set himself up for that opportunity one passing touchdown 268 passing yards he also had one rushing touchdown eight for 44 on the ground going his way Ty Chandler coming in when Madison went down with 15 carries for 45 and one touchdown for him we're getting Justin Jefferson back in this offense most likely in a week he'll. 11 here as we move forward Sean the upside for Dobbs is very high as we move forward you know it could be a case that we have some very down weeks in that but it, I think over the course of the season he's proven himself to be competent enough to continue to put up high teen into low to mid 20 points totals the rest of the way I don't think it's um I think we're going to have that conversation between him and Goff pretty much every week for people are wondering where you'd be slotting him in rest of season but he's also getting Justin Jefferson back and the one part I want to mention with Justin Jefferson is in this game Addison 10.2 PPR points he had 10.9 previously that's over the last two games but with the situation when he was in Minnesota we were starting to see more targets for Trey McBride there was so much usage for Zach Ertz at the start of the season there now we're seeing so much use towards Hawkinson do you think there's Possibly something to do with the way Joshua Dobbs plays, the way he targets tight ends, that may have a detrimental effect on the wide receiver position. And then there's also the case of Justin Jefferson. Does that just not matter that we will just throw Justin Jefferson the ball? Uh, Joshua Dobbs will sort that out.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I think that when you're looking at Addison, you've got to be a lot more concerned about just the overall sure and about the return of Justin Jefferson than. Joshua Dobbs, although Dobbs, a different type of quarterback, is going to hurt you a little bit. It's going to change the ceiling. It's going to change the floor. It's going to shift it in a direction that is more dangerous and introduces some more weekly risk. And yet, I mean, this is still a fine game for Jordan Addison. One of the things that happened here is that the Saints just weren't competitive enough. I mean, Joshua Dobbs scored almost the entirety of his 27 points in the first half. I believe that of the 11-134-1 and one for Hawkinson, that he had 10 receptions for over 100 yards
1: and a touchdown in the first half. It was 24-3 to three at halftime. And that's something and, and that we no didn't mention did the Saints- on the Cowboys game, that because they were chasing that record with Lamb, that that changed the fantasy outlook again for Lamb in a positive way. But if that happens, and you know, well, maybe if it's happening next week, they'll continue to try and extend that record. But there'll be weeks where, they would have shut Lamb down before that second touchdown. And it's a very different picture. And that's kind of what we've seen a little bit here in this game, because like you're gonna I know you're gonna get to it, but until Winston comes in, they could not the Saints could not move the ball in this game.
2: And it changed what the Vikings were gonna do in the second half there. One of the interesting things, Hawkinson came into this game not quite one hundred percent, and then he took some massive hits. The oh, took a crazy interesting way the about <laughs> Yeah, I mean the way that TJ Hawkinson plays I mean, partly I think he's just willing to show in his face and body language the fact that playing in the NFL is hard. But if you think back to one of the reasons that I believe the Lions traded him is that, I mean, every time he draws a target, he looks like he's going to leave the game. He takes hard hits. He comes down funny. He walks to the sideline. He looks like maybe he's on his last breath. And again, (laughs) how could you play in the NFL and that not be the case, right? And yet... He kind of milks it more than some guys, and or he plays through some pretty tough hits. But for him to come in, again, less than 100%, and to do that in the first half was phenomenal. I do think that they you know, didn't necessarily want him to get 10 more targets in the second half. This game was a little bit frustrating. You can look through the second half where the Vikings are not very effective. They have a number of three and outs they have a missed field goal their final three possessions are three and outs in which the first two plays are running back carries kind of setting them up for the three so basically if the saints had been competitive in this game you're looking at a 35 to 40 point game from Dobbs you're looking at more of a ceiling from Jordan Addison he continued to look good Addison's season to me has been eerily reminiscent of the campaign we got from calvin ridley as a rookie where you had all of those touchdowns in there now it hasn't been just touchdowns for jordan addison he actually has eight games now where he's hit 50 yards or more so you're getting a decent little yardage floor there almost all of those games have seven targets or more and then he has all of those touchdowns no touchdown here in week 10 and that's really part of what's happened here for Addison is he's now on a two week stretch of not finding the end zone where he came into week nine. So through the first eight weeks, he had scored seven touchdowns, which again, Calvin Ridley, a ton of touchdowns playing opposite uh, Julio Jones as a rookie. So you're, you're seeing the Vikings be able to use that additional weapon and I mean, not to inject JSN into every single fantasy conversation, but there is a, a big difference here between what the Vikings have been able to do, where they add a third weapon to go with Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson versus what the Seahawks have been able to do, where they often, you know, don't even have JSN on the field. It may simply be that Addison ends up being better. You think back to his Bulletnikov season. I mean, this is a guy who probably got overly hammered because he didn't have the elite yards per route numbers in college the season that he had the huge campaign he ran so many routes even though he had so many yards it knocked that number down and then obviously he's not a size speed guy but his body control his fluidity his ability to execute all of the skills of the receiver position and then catch the ball which is something that obviously I mean, JSN, again, a huge drop yesterday that stopped his momentum. Quentin Johnston drops throughout the game. (laughs) Now, granted, on as we covered, sort of at length on ceiling bananas, drawing pass interference on a lot of those. But just because you've drawn pass interference, if you're going to have a 70-yard touchdown, go ahead and catch it and score the touchdown, right? That's going to be more valuable to your team. Jordan Addison, to me, is pretty clearly the best of the first-round wide receivers and maybe is in that conversation with Josh Downs to be the best of the overall wide receivers. Now, Rasheed Rice doing interesting things for the Chiefs. Obviously, Zay Flowers with a bit of a bounce back game here for the Baltimore Ravens. I would not be surprised that this entire class ends up being very solid to, yeah, better than people expected coming in. It's a pretty fun group at this point. The Vikings offense will be interesting. You mentioned that, you know, Joshua Dobbs could be playing for the 2024 starter role. Kirk Cousins injured, but also a free agent. And, Someone who, because he played so well this year, going into free agency, he's likely to be overpaid for, you know, the sixth, seventh, eighth year in a row. But, you know, congratulations to him on that. He has played very well. He's going to get a good contract. It'll be interesting to see if it is with the Vikings or if they try and go in a slightly different direction here. I, I love to see what they're doing. And one of the things is that Ty Chandler looked fantastic in this game. I was a little bit worried that Madison was going to take every single touch the rest of the season after the acres injury. The Vikings have just been so committed to him in the face of the evidence that that's probably not optimal from an offensive perspective, from a play calling perspective. Now, a lot of people are going to look at the box score and say, I mean, Ty Chandler was 15 for 45. He does score a touchdown, but I mean, that's a very Alexander Madison-esque line. And that's true. And I, certainly Ty Chandler still has plenty to prove but we did have a few plays in there where you see the speed which is just a necessary element to make this offense work you think about some of the teams you think about the Baltimore Ravens yesterday and how Keaton Mitchell really opened things up early and then by going to Gus Edwards in the second half they blow that game you think about what a has meant for the Colts you think about what a has meant for the Dolphins you think about what Gibbs has done for the Detroit Lions In this game, Chandler has a 29-yard touchdown run where the speed, again, is just so evident, and that gets called back due to a penalty. Now, the penalty, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, and this one does help spring him, and so that's relevant, right? It's not just like, oh, you know, ignore all of that. He has a touchdown that's called back. And yet the ability to have this 29-yard play that would have been, again, game-changing, that's something that Madison doesn't bring. And so it'll be interesting to track over the next month If Chandler plays a lot, again, we hope that Madison clears the concussion protocol very quickly, but if it ends up being a little bit more of a committee, how much does Chandler play? How dynamic is he? Does he kind of unlock this offense with his speed? Because one of the issues that the Vikings ran into is that with the acquisition of acres, they now have two plotters out there and Chandler is completely blocked. Again, you you don't want any of these injuries to happen, but having now a path for their one back with plus speed to get out there. I mean, that could be the thing that makes a difference. Column. I'm really excited to see this team and this offense with Dobbs and with Justin Jefferson, hopefully next week has that explosion. You mentioned that we're going to be having to make this decision between Dobbs and Jerry Goff throughout the next month, month and a half. If you've gone forward and looked at the schedule a little bit, and we covered some of this on last week's show about why we made the acquisition in the first place, but Dobbs has a pretty favorable schedule. I think it's going to almost certainly be Dobbs in most of those games and there's a lot of risk at the running back with the Detroit Lions, but I mean, the Lions look good as well. So I'm excited to have that as the choice as opposed to what we had previously where it's Matthew Stafford maybe as
1: the QB2. I love our team here. Yeah, I'm excited. And you mentioned a few things there I just want to head on. You mentioned the Quentin Johnson, some of the pass interference stuff. We didn't mention CeeDee Lamb has a pass interference penalty awarded for his benefit but they declined it because as he is getting one hand held behind his own back he catches it with his left hand a pretty amazing one-handed catch so i just want to mention that you mentioned then a-chan we're hopefully in the the presence of getting justin jefferson back in the very near future today as we record this on monday the dolphins have opened up that window for uh a chan to come back in so that is exciting for people who have him on the rosters to get that explosive player back as an available option so exciting here as we are getting players back rather than there was a couple of weeks there when those guys in particular went down those mondays where you know we were just losing the best players and picking up all this injury news so very positive there sean the jacksonville jaguars did not turn up this week they get crushed by the 49ers You mentioned we're on a three game losing streak they had their bye week they come back in brock party back more to what we have seen from him prior to this he has 296 passing yards three touchdowns this was a game though where as the game is completely out of control and and dominated by the 49ers they did everything they could to try and get christian mccaffrey into the end zone because he had tied their nfl record for the most consecutive games with a touchdown but did not get in as as this game is closing out they Give it to him, I believe, on all four downs down at the kind of two, three yard line, and he does not get in. Unfortunately, to break that record solely for himself, but does have ninety five rushing yards on sixteen attempts, and also has ten targets, six receptions for forty seven yards. So, this game, I'm going to get you to. I was going to say it's hard to put context into it, but I'm going to let you do that because they just dominated from start to finish. And you know, Christian Kirk is 104 yards, 11 targets, six receptions for him. Outside of that absolutely nothing in the passing game Dearness Johnson the highest next in terms of receiving yards 28 yards two receptions on two targets nobody had well Evan Ingram had seven targets four receptions for 12 yards which isn't ideal and then we get uh, four targets for ETN two receptions nine yards so really nothing in the passing game outside of Christian Kirk 59 total yards rushing combined as a team 35 of those going to ETN so not a good day not a good performance by Lawrence but This one felt like the 49ers just came, beat them up, took their lunch money, and that was the end of that. They get an early touchdown to Brant Mayuk, who then has three targets in the game, but is three for three for 55 in that touchdown. So you it starts off pretty hot, but they they really didn't have to keep things ticking over after that point. Nobody has more than four targets. George Kittle has four, three receptions, 116 yards, one touchdown, has a 66-yard touchdown reception in this one. So they just they blew the door off, and, and Debo also had a rushing touchdown, 23-yard rushing touchdown on three carries. So this is all about the 49ers getting back in shape. The Jaguars had been in shape. Both teams now 6-3. and three. The down game, I guess, for ETN that we're hoping <laughs> that we're, we're going back on the upswing after this. Well, what were your thoughts coming away? Was it, was it as simple as one team turned up and dominated and the other didn't? This is a frustrating game.
2: Because the Jaguars should be good and they should be fun. But Colin, they're not. Right. And you have some notes here about Trevor Lawrence and how poorly he's played from a not fantasy good. perspective. And I think that's especially disappointing when you consider Calvin Ridley and... The enthusiasm for him and being added to a group where last season Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram all played well when you add that additional piece you would like to be dynamic on offense and yet Ridley has only led them in receiving twice he's been wiped out in a lot of these games but it's been across the board right? Travis Etienne has scored well because he has found the end zone, but he has one game this season with 100 rushing yards, which is really pretty hard to fathom when you consider just how good he actually is. We've discussed this at a number of junctures throughout the course of both the preseason and in season that Doug Peterson and his offensive staff have not seemed to understand number one, what Etienne is good at and number two, how you unlock a rushing game. And this was yet another performance in which they have no rushing threat at all because the only run plays that they execute are right into the teeth of the defense and that's been such a stark contrast between etn with his long speed and what the other teams with speed backs have done but it's not you know just the running game by any stretch i mean doug peterson as a an offensive mind looks completely overmatched as a scheme and play caller trevor lawrence The decision-making is terrible, but it really seems to be the structure of the plays as opposed to even what he is doing as a quarterback. They don't have people open. They don't have the right mix of routes and depths to stress a defense. And, I mean, this was a catastrophic type of game here. And you go back and look at what they did during this five-game winning streak, and the wins are over a bad Atlanta team. They're over a Buffalo team that's been very disappointing in a situation where they were in London for an additional week. And so you have that advantage. I mean, you can't just wipe that game away and say, oh, they've got this kind of scheduling travel advantage. And yet it is a meaningful advantage. It is a close victory over another team that has been very disappointing. They defeat the Indianapolis Colts, which is frankly a bad team. They beat the New Orleans Saints, which is a bad team. They defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers, which... I mean, as you were kind of mentioning to me before we got on here, the Steelers are 6-3, and and yet it's completely smoke and mirrors. They look bad again yesterday against the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers, sadly, are not a good team. Now, you need to win those games, and most of those games are not particularly close. The Jaguars' defense has been dynamic until this game against the 49ers, and yet you go out and you play a power team, You play them at home in what is a statement environment where you have a chance to, and you don't know this going in, obviously, but with the Ravens losing, I mean, you could take a step ahead of them. You've got the uh, loss to Kansas City, so you don't have the tiebreaker there, but you could keep pace with the Chiefs to go from that situation to one where I mean, again, you mentioned how the 49ers were trying. They were trying to get the record for Christian McCaffrey. And yet, I mean, this
1: was a game where... But if they weren't trying to get the record for Christian McCaffrey, I think they would actually have put up more points.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've got Brandon Ayuk, who is dynamic and yet barely involved. You have Debo Samuel back from injury. Involved as a rusher more than as a receiver. You know, him scoring touchdowns, you have very limited targets to george kittle but those targets that do exist are high powered and you're getting the vertical plays i mean this is a team that gave the impression that if they stuck with a more balanced passing attack that they could have put up 50 points in this game i mean this is about as badly as you can get beaten in an nfl game and as the jacksonville jaguars you simply can't have that happen at this point in your season and at this point in your trajectory as a team that has now had trevor lawrence for a while has had your head coach for a while you're coming off of the playoff victory comeback win over the chargers last season i mean that even mentioned on the telecast as you're kind of midway through this game and you're thinking are the jags going to make a push but that's just not in their dna right now they don't have that offensive explosiveness and they simply have too much talent at qb and too many weapons to be able to do absolutely nothing even during the winning streak column this was a disappointing team it it's difficult to articulate just how much of a bummer it is to watch the Jaguars right now. They are a bad offensive team. I, you know, if you told me that they had gotten to six and three at this point in the season, I would actually be, you know, pretty happy for them. Thought that they had gotten off to a good start and laid a good foundation. I think a little bit, a similar story to in Kansas city where if you were to tell people that the chiefs had the record that they had right now, you'd be like, well, I mean, that's a very good start to a season after a super bowl. And yet with Kansas City, what has happened is that their defense has really risen and given them balance to sort of overcome just how far their offense has declined. The Jags are sort of a a poor man's version of that where, I mean, they actually have more weapons, they've got more dynamism, they've got a running back, they could be explosive on offense, and yet there's nothing in what they have demonstrated this season that gives you the impression they're going to do that. And this defense that they have relied on, this defense that has been so dominating over the winning streak and has given them a Chiefs-like balance to have it so completely and totally eviscerated by the 49ers. Now, the 49ers can do this to teams at different points, even though they're coming off of this losing streak. I mean, to be blown out by the 49ers isn't the end of the world. And yet, if you're now relying on your defense to see them also embarrassed in this game, I mean, the Jaguars have some problems
1: i think they do have some problems but i'm willing to see what happens over the next kind of two or three weeks i think there's part of this that the 49ers were on a three-game losing streak they are much better than that would indicate and they were very efficient in this game everything just clicked for them working back from that i think there's a couple of things that may have been factored in i also think that the jaguars were abysmal in this game but they face the Tennessee Titans this coming week, and then the following week they face Houston and both of those, obviously, division matchups. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago with the Calvin Ridley being in the offense. You kind of mentioned it there. I think, well, obviously, Zay Jones is out as well. And I don't think Zay Jones is as good of a, a player from a talent point of view, but I think he's probably a better fit in this offense at this current moment in time. But he has been out for quite some time with uh, an injury. So... The other part, Sean, that you mentioned there was the Trevor Lawrence aspect, and he has won game over 300 yards this season, but in terms of what he is doing, he has been a top 10 quarterback just two times in this season, and he has yet to throw more than two touchdowns any game as well, so it's not good, and the bright spark off this offense has been Travis Etienne, but you also already hinted at the ways that they have been using him, and there is some points where it's getting better, but there's also a lot of points where it's getting worse, and you see the way the cowboys were using lamb and i mentioned the end around for him then you although it was a quieter usage day for debo samuel you see them using him in different ways and they're using kettle they're really stretching all aspects of the defense with the players that you're trying to cover and it's really pretty pretty tough when those guys are all out there because obviously debo had missed a couple of contests but um the other part sean you mentioned on uh, State and bananas last week i believe it was about when it was actually about the chiefs defensive touchdown where they returned it for a touchdown and the you know the effort and the hustle of that particular play we see plays all the time like you mentioned where you know it's caught and there was one this week in the vikings game where you know the defensive back is you know kind of waving his hand in the air dancing as the play is continuing not not really the smartest decision but we see that a lot but in this when the 49ers have a fumble that they take back for a touchdown The fumble is taken off the board because there's a flag on the play. And the commentators are saying, well, if it's, you know, and they announce it as unsportsmanlike conduct. And they're saying, well, that should be a dead ball penalty. It shouldn't affect the outcome. Then they show the replay and they're like, oh, that's what it was. And and it was the fact that pretty much half of the 49ers defense or sideline had run, had, you know, encroached on the the field of play as the, the play was continuing. So, you know, we talk about execution, but just. Wait till the play is over and try not. This, it didn't cost them in this game, but if it had to cost them the game, it would have been a much bigger talking point. But stay off the field. Well, those are the benefits of having a 34-3 to
2: overall yeah. advantage is that you can celebrate prematurely in some situations. You mentioned the creativity with the 49ers. The Jaguars try to run sort of a fun play here where they have Christian Kirk come and take the ball on a lateral and then try and throw down the field to Travis Etienne. As the play develops, you think Etienne is going to be wide open, and maybe this is the splash play you need to get him going. Then Christian Kirk overthrows it and sends him into the defensive back, who's another sort of 10 yards down the field. ETN makes a diving try at the ball. You love to see that, and yet at that point, not very catchable, and he takes a wicked hit. And it was interesting here because it was such a brutal hit that he was down on the turf for a moment. And then you see him pop up almost intentionally trying to show to uh, okay. the sideline and the yeah. observers that that's not a concussion situation, that it was just a brutal hit. But then he does miss a bunch of plays after that, where tank Bixby and Ernest Johnson come yeah. in. And then in the aftermath of that, they end up getting blown out to the point where it doesn't really make sense for the team to ride him. He ends up with only the nine carries. So, you know, sometimes that kind of thing will happen, but it's unfortunate that on a sort of fun play that he gets a hit that, you know, arguably changes his week Colin, We're able to overcome the ETN bust score this week, but we need to get him going again to have a chance at the big prize. That's sort of a theme throughout a variety of my teams. But yeah, this was an exciting week so many big scores at the quarterback position it wasn't a fun sunday night
1: game colin
2: it yeah well let's do a, really... do a
1: rapid fire here and let you talk about sunday night football so we get a couple of games that weren't that fun that we are not going to dive into in details There's the packers and the Pittsburgh staters that's our recap for that game then we're going to go into <laughs> Jalen warren baby it looks good again Jalen warren that's Touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. If you uh, had some
2: buys on your
1: on your best ball squad, Romeo Dobbs touchdown helps. We uh, we also get Najee Harris getting into the end zone, but a a very very uh, ugly contest there overall. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win twenty to six against the Titans. Some struggles for the Titans, but we get Rashad White in the end zone again. We get a I've called it here on the sheet Sean, a strong boy touchdown for Mike Evans where catches the ball around the five-yard line and just decides that he's like he's facing away from goal and he's just gonna you know carry the defensive back like uh, a school bag over the line so he gets that touchdown which was uh, an impressive play and a heads-up play which did not matter in the end up but uh, DeAndre Hopkins kind of turned into a defensive back to to split up a potential red zone interception for Will Levitz and the part I love the most about this is we talk about defensive players celebrating and running to the end zone after an interception. DeAndre Hopkins busted out a celebration for the enter or the the broken up potential interception which I I loved. Uh, turned himself into a true defensive back for that one but did not matter and will not show up in the box score obviously. Uh, and then Colin, get, what
2: does show up in the box score here? Nick Folk, Chase McLaughlin, two field goals each. You're running them out there at the kicker position, multiple field goals. Love it.
1: They, they have nothing on the new york jets who i'm going to let you cover in a moment as they are the specialists in field goals this season i don't have the stat in front of me sean but they currently have the joint highest field goal to touchdown record through 10 weeks of an nfl season in nfl history tied i believe with the it may have been the 2000 baltimore ravens but uh we do have
2: i know i've seen some big plays from Brees hall this year colin but is there any chance that their touchdown total is still a zero
1: It's not at zero. I thought the question you were going to ask there, Sean, was is there any chance that Brees Hall can kick some field goals? (laughs) Because that would also be beneficial. Uh, We we could do with those kicking points. But uh, the other game then, Sean, is the Colts versus Patriots. Germany got a a real good game last week with the Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. Not so much this week in a a 10-tree boar fest. Um, Notes on this. Michael Pittman had eight more targets than any other player for the Colts. He had 12 targets in this one. Jonathan Taylor played a high of 89% of snaps. That's his high on the season. So he continues to be worked back in heavily focused on rather than Zach Moss in this one. Ramondre Stevenson missed a chunk of time in this, but still played 68% in New England's snaps, which was good to see when he also missed that time. But uh, 14 percent or more targets here in each of his last five games but we do get mac jones getting pulled for bailey zappi at the end of this game another bad game so that's my recap of those games sean you can hit me with the jets and the raiders and if you have any further thoughts on those other games feel free to share them Brees hall does have a
2: touchdown called back in this game the thing that stood out in this one beyond just the general and continuing massive incompetency is that anytime the jets did have a successful play there was a penalty attached to it you love to see the 14 targets for garrett wilson he's been somehow managing to fight through the apocalyptic qb play to at least you know keep you alive and the aaron Rodgers dream is out there we'll see if that ever comes to fruition he makes an incredible effort on the hail mary at the end of the game, more or less, really gets it knocked away by his own teammate as opposed to a defensive back. But you know that's going to happen on hail marys. His teammates got to try and make a play on that ball as well. You get great effort from Josh Jacobs. He actually goes over four yards per carry in this game. You get 13 targets for Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, somebody who's been a lot of fun this season, and you, you kind of hope that this 13 to two <laughs> target. Uh, differential doesn't continue, or at least you do if you have Myers and not Adams. Michael Mayer makes an incredible touchdown catch in this game. He's someone that we had to play more during Sam Laporta's bye week last week. It would have been great to see him score that touchdown then. Obviously, last week he gets tackled at the 6 inch line. Someone that I think you have to still be very, very high on in Dynasty. If you're making some of these 2-for-2 trades, the number 2 guy – in that mix should be mayor for you. This has been a season where it has been a little bit easier to get tight end points. Uh, The team that I have with Pat Corrine in the really high dollar, and this was before Pat won. So we had uh, gone ahead and sprung for the big money before he was a multi millionaire. That team only has mayor at tight end. We are at the top of the standings. I think number two there in victory points now we need a tight end hope that Mayer is the guy but generally speaking you can get tight end points this year that's not necessarily guaranteed to continue i think that the three rookies this year and even if you go back to now training McBride for last year keep trying to stash all of these guys to stack them onto your dynasty rosters as second round picks that'll serve you in good stead as you go forward so cool to see him make the play in this game aiden o'connell Did not look good, averages less than six yards per attempt, throws a pick, and yet actually not a bad performance against a New York Jets defense, and he does enough to win this game. I think that this is kind of the final nail in the coffin for the Jets season. You have to be able to beat the Las Vegas Raiders, even as you're waiting for some reinforcements. Colin, I mean, you can't just do the cathartic show with the Jets every single week, but... (laughs) This is the team We're finishing is. this one
1: on a, a diner. Well,
2: <laughs> it's just its bad television. Bad television, bad but, football. Yeah. But so many cool things in Week 10. We hope that the listeners had the right mix. We hope that you won in Week 10 and are making your playoff push. We're rooting for you tonight in what... I mean, Colin, earlier you said that Dak Prescott is currently the QB one on the week, it sounded like you were possibly keeping the door open for Russell Wilson to blow past him on Monday night football. Is is that the case there? Is that the QB that you're counting on in tonight's game?
1: I'm not counting on either of them, but I do think that Allen has the potential in any week to do that. He's had some struggles with some interceptions recently, but I, I feel like this is one of those games. When you go into these Island games, when it's on prime time, you kind of like we had with the, the, Jets and the Raiders, you know, 16-12. We had 10-6 in that early, early game from Germany. You know, you can get those games, but you can also get the games, the likes of what we've seen with the Lions and the Chargers. That would be my hope in Monday Night Football, that we get a you know, high-scoring game with, I'm hoping for more than 50 points combined.
2: Well, supposedly, Marvin Mims was going to be worked into the offense during the bye week. I've heard because... that one before, Sean. Uh, well, at I've, some point during a season, evidently you have a, a few free moments to do some coaching so or some game planning. It sounds like maybe an additional week to have practice
1: was going to be beneficial there. That is there's the claim a chance I've, that Sean Payton is going to just get him out there and use him as a distraction because then it'll free up the other player. Uh, the Falcons have been great success at the moment with using players as distraction, so I think that's going to spread around the league.
2: Well, if he ends up as a decoy. Hopefully it's a decoy for Javante Williams having 35 touches tonight. We get another 25 carries. We get 10 targets. Huge game for Javante. I mean, if you are a Chiefs fan, like at least one of us is, you want that continued upset city for the Buffalo Bills. Now, if you're a listener and you have Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs going, you need them to put up 50 Hopefully you get that column. That wouldn't be great for our particular team. As we look at the way that the standings are finishing here. So we'll be rooting against that, but we'll be rooting for you. Get what you want tonight. As you mentioned, hopefully it's a shootout. We keep this theme of a fantastic week 10 going all the way to the final kneel down. Good luck everybody tonight. Column. This
1: was such a fun show. Yeah. Fun episode. So, enjoyed this week so far we'll see what happens we'll be talking more obviously we'll recap a bit of monday night football hopefully on our show that will come out on wednesday as i've done the last few weeks it's dropped on tuesday on the road of his overtime podcast feed so make sure you are subscribed in case that happens i don't promise it every week but it does happen from time to time but then we'll be obviously into week 11 as we really fire up towards those fantasy football playoffs so that is going to do it for this episode my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime. and my co-host is sean siegel check out all of sean's work up on rotavis.com until we are back have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotavis radio please rate and review the rotavis radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotavis radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotavis with a discount through the radio homepage, page forward slash podcast